Well, praise the Lord. Take your Bibles this morning and find the book of 1 John. Not John, but 1 John. Right near the back of your Bible, you'll find 1 and 2 and 3 John, Jude, Revelation. I haven't started crying like that since my blind date. Her. That's it. Thank you. Anyhow, God bless them. <laughs> they just don't know how blessed they are at that age. They just don't. It's just it's a wonderful thing. First John chapter number one in our Bibles this morning. And we want to take some time for the next few weeks as God gives us to look at some things that God has for us. The book of John, 1 John, is a book of knowledge. The word know is found all throughout this book. The word K-N-O-W, God wants you to know. Faith is not a hope so, I think, maybe possibility, but it's a knowledge. I know this to be true because why? The Bible tells me so. Our children sing a song, Jesus loves me, this I know why, for the Bible tells me so. So they know Jesus loves them because they learned it from the Bible. And John has written this book so that we may know some things. Now there's a reason this book was written, there's a reason God put this book in Scripture to help us and to educate us. What is God trying to teach us? What truths does God want us to incorporate into our lives that will make us knowledgeable Christians so that we can not only be uh, grounded in our faith, but able to teach others and instruct those, as Paul says, who oppose themselves. And so that's what the Bible's for, and John has a specific purpose. Now, let's pray, and we will read, and then go on to the message this morning. Father, we're thankful we can be here. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless this time and hour. Now, thank you for those who are here. It's a holiday weekend. Many folks are traveling. Give them a safe restful time with family and friends and sights. Uh, I pray, dear God, for those who are ill amongst us and could not be here, give them healing and, and rest and strength back to their bodies. And for those of us who are here, help us with their next door, the children, young adults, the teenagers, as well as those toddlers in the basement. Lord, bless them. But may we be encouraged here today, and if anybody doesn't know Christ as their Savior, May this be the day that they come to the saving knowledge. And for those who are struggling, hurting, discouraged, brokenhearted, give healing. For Lord, you've told us you've come to heal and to bind up the brokenhearted. Bless now and encourage us and challenge us through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Apostle John not only was an apostle, he was a disciple, but he was also a pastor. And he wrote as a pastor. Uh, one thing you'll notice in the ministry, as you be around ministry, different men have different gifts. Women, men and women all have different gifts and ability. And we are all to minister with the abilities that God has given to us. When you minister outside of your gift, you really set yourself up for failure, and you're not accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish. And so it's always best, and we probably should do a series of messages on this, on gifts, so you know what gift you have so that you can know what you do and how to do it. There are a lot of things I can do. There's a lot of things I do because sometimes there's nobody else to do them, but I'm not really, that's not what I do. I'm not a carpenter, but I have built some things. And some people have made fun of what I built. Other people have said, that's pretty good. 
Usually people who said that are not carpenters. <laughs> and, so, and so, but I, I, I try to stay within my lane and do what I do. I don't touch the sound equipment because that's not what I do. I read a book years ago on how to be a pastor, and one thing it says, never tell anybody you know how to work the copier. And so, because otherwise you'll, <laughs> you'll end up having to work it. So I, I tell people, I, at least go down to the copiers down there, I, I don't know, you know. But secretly, I do know how to work the copier, and most times I want to take it and fling it out the door because it just doesn't work half the time. But if somebody knows how to do these things, right, Brother Keston? I see he has a copier on his desk, and he's probably fluent in those things. And so, tell the wife, okay, man. So I'll call her. Listen, this thing is about ready to meet an ill fate in five minutes. So you better come down here and rescue this thing's life. Anybody else feel that way sometimes when you work with something like that? Listen, the only reason these things have not, because they're too expensive to replace, or else this thing would have been. Now, I digress. But we have our gifts. We have our abilities. We have what we do. And spiritually speaking, we have our gifts, and we need to learn to minister in those gifts. Now, John, we see his heart. John was a pastor, and he would end up pastoring the church that was in the city of Ephesus. The apostle Paul started that church, and then John would go in later on, he would pastor that. And when we read First, Second, Third John, we see a man writing with what we call a pastor's heart. Sometimes people look at me and say, Pastor, how do you put up with that person? Pastor, how do you deal with these individuals? How, Pastor, what's wrong? And I say, well, it's, it's, it's God made me that way. And so I don't really think anything of it because it's just a pastor's heart. And how you think and deal with certain situations. But God didn't give you a pastor's heart. God gave you other gifts and abilities that I look at and say, how do you do that? Like Crystal. How does Crystal talk to a lamppost and make friends with it? And I, I, I'm being kind of funny with that. But the girl just can walk up to anybody and just say, how you doing? And the next thing you know, she's got a best friend for life. And, and the rest of us are sitting there like, do I talk to that person? Do I say anything? Or do I just sit here and let them come to me? And how do you have that gift? Well, she has that gift. God has given her that ability. And you have your gifts and your ability. John wrote as a pastor. So when you read this epistle, you're reading a letter by a man who's warning a church. Because as a pastor, you want to warn your church about false teachings and false doctrines so that they don't get misled into believing things that are not true. And so when we understand this John, his heart, we understand the, the city of Ephesus, and we, we see that in the book of Acts, where Paul not only started that church, but we read the letter that Paul wrote to the church in the city of Ephesus called the book of Ephesians. We read more about that church and more, learn more about what it was going through. When we, when we think about Christianity, and today's kind of, by, by the way, an introduction. We'll get into the, into the Word of God, but I, I want to lay a foundation that we kind of, kind of build on here as we go through. In Christianity, if you are a first-generation Christian, the first one in your family to get saved, you know what it's like to come out of a lost world, to embrace Christianity, to... to uh, have things fall off from the world and, and grow in your faith and, and, and Jesus Christ becomes very real to you. And then you have your children and your grandchildren who grow up in the faith. And Christianity becomes very familiar. It's very familiar to you. And it's almost, it becomes part of, well, this is just what we do. My kids grew up and they just grew up in church. That's all they've done is grow up in church. And so not going to church is foreign to them. 
Sunday we go to church, Wednesdays we go to church, and, and, and revival meetings we go to church, and, and then we work at the church, and we clean the church, and we visit for the church. That's all my kids have, have known. It's all we've indoctrinated them with is church their entire life. That's what they know. But my friend, it, it, but the most important thing is, is getting Christ into them and having Christ become real to them. They can be familiar with all the, the trappings of church and all the workings of church. And know, and you get to a point in time in your life when you hang around church so much, when the preacher says, turn to 255, you already know what song that is. It almost becomes a game. Who knows more songs by page numbers? 103, what? 246. And so you have this contest going on amongst Christians. Who knows it? Who can sing the song without actually opening the, the song book? We've become familiar. But we don't want them to lose Christ. They have to become familiar with Christ and, and know Him. For us who discover Christ first, there's a newness, there's a, 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 a brightness to it. And, and as we grow, it, it can become tarnished. We can become lose sight of what was real. Revelation talks about losing our first love. Our first love is Jesus Christ. We ought not to lose that first love. I mean, I, 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 I remember when I got into church as a teenager, back in the church, and, 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 a, and I got a, a brand new Bible, and I was excited to read my Bible every day. I couldn't wait to get up in the morning and just read my Bible and spend time with the Lord. But I discovered that that begins to wax old after a while, and you've got to make sure your heart doesn't grow cold and, and, and you drift from it and you let something else take its place. I've got to read my Bible. I don't have time. You know, 1,500 words will only take you six minutes to read. It's not really that long. And read it two chapters, three chapters. not that long in your life to spend time and say, God, help me this morning as I read your word. So we see Ephesus. We know the whole town in Acts chapter number 19 was a town that was in an uproar. It was a town given over to idolatry, the great goddess diana was the main idol that was in that town and and they were worshiping her there and and so there's a lot of things going on in this city and and john is writing to them encouraging because in a major city that it was filled with a lot of perversion but now false christian teachings were coming into the church things that were not so things that were not true Can I let you know that as Christians, and you know this, we're to be different? We're, Peter says we are peculiar people. That word peculiar doesn't mean we're nuts or weirdos, but we're, we're set apart. We're, we act differently from how everybody else acts. And as a young man, I learned that I was becoming peculiar to my friends because I was acting differently because I was trying to act like Christ. And, and Christ was real in my life and Christ was being formed in my life. And I wanted to be like him. And I, and I, I was conforming to his image. But the problem it may become when Christians don't want to be different and Christians want to be just like everybody else and look like everybody else and talk like everybody else and that's a problem. That's a problem. We want to, we don't look different. And, and we ought to stand out. We ought to stand out. 
Years ago, I don't have time for the stories, but we want to make sure we are different. Now, in Scripture, as we study Scripture, the church at Ephesus had become an assembly line church. An assembly line church simply means that it's Everybody's a Christian and, and kind of like one, two, three, pray with me, one, two, three, pray with me, and, and, and just kind of like churning them out instead of having genuineness or true faith, something that's real. If a man builds a piece of furniture and he builds it by hand, it takes him a long time to build that one unique piece of furniture. But a company could come along and look at his pattern, look at his design, and say, you know what, let's steal that idea. And we'll, and we'll multiply it. We can mass produce that thing, but the quality is not there. The, 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 the care and, the, and the, the strength and the ability is just not there. It's just mass produced. Christianity is not mass producing something. It's about a genuine conversion that takes place in a person's life. I had a guy walk in the church years ago. Pastor, here's my two daughters. Get them saved. doesn't work that way. I can't say, okay, sit down, and, and, and it's not a haircut. It's not a dye job. All right? I can't have two blondes walk in and make them out, walk up, turn them out redheads. I can do that. I don't know how, but I can get some dyes and figure it out. But This is the salvation of a sinner. And unless the heart is willing to receive its truths, I can go through all the verses, tell them all the truths, and uh-huh, uh-huh, can we hurry up and get... And I've had people... Can, we almost done? <laughs> No, this is not almost done. This is your soul hanging in the balance. And, and if you don't want this, then I'm not going to waste my time on you until you're really ready to receive the truth of the gospel. I just can't make somebody say a prayer. Because saying a prayer doesn't save you. It's, it's belief in God and, and what the Scripture says about Him and, and, it, and Christ that, that brings conversion, that makes the difference in a man's life. But it seems in Ephesus you had this mass production going on and, 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 and things were going on in this church that were not good. And, and, and Jesus Christ warns this church in Revelations about the things that were going wrong in their life, that you, you don't have this first love in your life. It's not about me anymore. It's more about church. And it's more about going through the motions in church and just doing what we do in church. I hope that when we come to church, I hope it's about, you know, I, I want to... I want to be with God's people, and I want to hear from God's Word, and I want, to, I want to learn something today. I didn't go to be entertained. I come to be, to be fed and, and learn. Do you ever go someplace, a fancy restaurant, and, and you get a meal on the way home? You're looking for a pizza shop because you're, you're looking for, I, I'm hungry. That place didn't feed me. I got a carrot sprig and a half an ounce of salmon with, a, with some au jus on it, whatever, and, and, and now I'm... And, and, and the dessert was a, was a poof of something. You're kind of like, it's like when you're in a diet, you're eating, a, eating a, one of them snack bars, you kind of eat it like a rat. You know, because you don't eat it like a normal, you because I've got to make this last for the next 15 minutes because this is all i got. So you get this two-ounce candy bar that's healthy, that tastes like cardboard with fake chocolate that I'm getting healthy and I know you're eating you're, we don't know what that is but it's making you miserable and the people who make it are miserable and life's miserable and 
know where I was going with that. But, you know, you, you, you want to be fed. I want to walk out. Did I learn something from the Word of God? Was I encouraged with the saints of God? Did I encourage a saint of God? This is about uh, being fed and, 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 and making Christ real in our life. And I'm afraid that people sometimes just come to church because it's just, well, it's just what we do. Or am I coming here because I want Jesus Christ to help me. And I want Jesus Christ to be real to me. And I, and I want to be pleasing to my master who saved me. And I want to be pleasing to my Lord. And, and I want to serve him and know more about him. Is it, is it real to me? And when it doesn't become real, there's a problem. That doesn't mean don't come and stay away. It doesn't mean that. But we ought to pray every day. Lord, it's Sunday. Give me something today. Feed me today. Conform me to Christ and help me to, 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 to learn today. Show me what's wrong with me that I may confess it and forsake it and move on and grow in my life. And, and help me, Lord, with what I'm struggling with as I am struggling. We all struggle with something. So we want to have a Christianity that's real. This was a church that persecution was there, but the problem with the church at Ephesus is, is persecution from the outside was not the problem. The problem with Ephesus was the, the, what was going on inside of the church. The Lord Jesus Christ warned, he said, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophet and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible they should deceive the very elect. And John will warn that inside the church is where these false prophets come from. We have a guy come this morning who wants to rent our building. He's a Seventh-day Adventist. We don't rent our building to anybody, and we're especially not going to rent it to a bunch of Seventh-day Adventists who are confused on that topic and a lot of other things. We just don't rent it. It's our building, and we make sure that who's ever in here is, is going by our doctrine and what we teach. We're not just here to... This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Pastor Horry, he speaks Spanish. Pastor Horry told him no. And we don't rent it out. Now the guy still wants to talk to me. I don't know why he wants to talk to me because I don't speak Spanish and he don't speak English. It should be a wonderful conversation. I learned this morning in church how to say no in Spanish. Amen. Amen. And so I appreciate that. It's just no. Amen. No, no, not like an English no. Where you up on the end, but you just no. And, uh, Hasta la vista, baby. That's, I don't even know what, I don't think it's Spanish, but it's, I think that's Schwarzenegger, but I'm not sure. Anyway. The enemy comes from within. The Bible warns about false prophets because it says if they were of us, they would still be, you know, they were not of us because they weren't part of us. I'm not talking to anybody in particular. Everybody's like... The Apostle Paul warned the Ephesian elders... He said, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves men shall arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. We were down south and, and uh, visiting family and, and uh, driving through the countryside. And it's amazing how you always see these new churches pop up. They, they, they can build steel buildings down there because they got land everywhere. It's not like up north where you, we don't have land down there. We're going to go out there on the back North 40 and build a Fellowship Life Center. A Fellowship Life Center, by the way, is a fancy church word for gym. But they say it's a Christian Life Center, which when you really di dissect that word, what does that even mean? But they, they build these buildings down there because, well, see, there was a church over here 
And they grew, and then there was a split. Somebody rose up amongst them, and then he took a bunch of people. Now, he started this church over here. You know, the remnant church we saw. The remnant church. We're the remnant. And then they, then they grow, and then they, some guy rises up amongst them, and then he takes a group of people, and, he, and he's built. And so I can go down the street, and I can look. Well, this is the original church, and this is the split off of that, and that's the split off of that, and that's the split off of that. And, that's the, and it happens amongst the Baptists, the Church of God, the Assemblies of God, and, and all of them down there. You have these splits off of splits off of splits off of splits. Why? Because uh, somebody rose up amongst the ranks and said, Hey, I got something better. And, and takes people away. And so the Ephesians were warned about this. The Ephesians were told about this. And Christianity was not in danger of being destroyed because you cannot destroy Christianity. But what you can do is it, you can change it into something it's not. And the attempt was being made to, to, in, in the church to give it an intellectual respectability. Because the gospel is very simple. But people come in and they try to give it this intellectual. And so people go, oh, wow. And, and you've you got to understand a foreign language to, to get something. Well, in the Greek, it really means, oh, I don't speak Greek. Oh, no. The only Greek I know is gyro. And, and I usually get it with lamb and a little sauce on. That's all I know. And so that's all the Greek. And so, or, or in the Hebrew, it's the word. <laughs> And it and, and, and means something else. And they're like, oh, wow, I don't speak Hebrew. Yeah, no, you've got you to you go to phlegm school to speak Greek, amen? And, and, and you can speak Hebrew with everybody else out there. And people go, wow, he, he spoke Hebrew. Our pastor barely speaks English, but that guy, he, 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 he speaks too. Hey, well, he's smart. Like, Ooh. Now, what good did it? If I stand up, and by the way, I can I can give you those words. I can stand up in the Hebrew. This is the word. <laughs> did that help you? Were you edified? This, did you walk? Oh, wow! So tomorrow at work, you'll go. Hey, they'll be like, you need a tissue or something? You okay? Yeah. <laughs> you are, you all right? <laughs> we bringing back the masks? What's going on? It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help a soul. But if you simply say, you know, what the, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, that helps somebody. That'll minister to somebody. But in, in, this, era, in this church, there, there are people coming in who are given this and tell, trying to make it Christianity look fancier. We all eat fancy every now and then. Every now and then you'll break out the good china. Renee and I were home alone last night. Renee says, do you want the plates? Or do you want the paper plates? It's just us. We're going paper tonight. She goes, you want to eat corn on the cob? The paper plates? Why not? I'll just hold it like this. And you can't look fancy eating corn on the cob. Ever eat that in front of somebody? Because you're like shooting the person across. That whacks them in the eyeball. And so we just eat the... But every now and then, Renee has good china and she has good silverware. And we'll break that out every now and then on rare occasion and eat the fancy stuff. But normally we're just the white porcelain plates that we got at Walmart, uh, or we go paper. That's how we roll. But you want to fancy it. Sometimes we want to fancy Christianity up to make it something it's not. Christianity is about a crucified Savior who became sin for us, who was buried and rose again the third day. My friend, it's not, it's not a, a glorified-looking thing. I'm a wicked sinner in need of a Savior. 
and Jesus Christ took my place and died for me, and I'm trusting him as my Savior. In this church, there was a doctrine. In the Bible, and I've talked to you these before, it's called Gnosticism. Now, you may not be familiar with Gnosticism, but you are, but just know it by different names. And, and, and Gnosticism was the basic philosophy that was around during the Roman Empire. And Gnosticism took many forms. And, and, and the Bible deals with this. The book of Colossians deals with Gnosticism. And, and Paul dealt with the Gnostics when he was on Mars Hill. Uh, in the book of Acts, he was dealing with the Gnostics and, and, and their belief. And, and Gnosticism despised the body. They held uh, that in the body was a spirit and like a seed in dirty soil, the body was bad and, and the seed inside of you was good. And, that, and there was these extremes, methods, there was this, in this group. And I don't want to get all into this this morning because, again, it's, it's one of those things that it's not going to benefit you too much. But it, it, we will explain it as we go through the scriptures. There were groups known as the Stoics and the Epicureans. And, and they had their beliefs. But these Gnostic doctrine, the Stoics and the Epicureans were creeping their teachings into the church. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that, uh, to boil it all down in simple basic form, is that Jesus Christ could not be God in the flesh. Because the flesh is bad, and, and, and if the flesh is bad, Jesus Christ could not be be God in the flesh. He was a, a God or something else. And, and that's the basic teaching of that. And that teaching is still here today. I was coming down Carney Avenue this morning at 7 o'clock in the morning and outside the nail salon, which was closed, and, and, and there was nothing on Carney Avenue except four Jehovah Witnesses with a display case standing there. Not a soul in sight, but they're out there witnessing. I don't know who, but they're out there at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning and they believe that Jesus Christ is not God. He's a God. It, 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 it really goes back to Gnosticism and what they believe. Mormonism is the same way. It goes back to Gnosticism. Nothing changes. It just The names change. We just we change the packaging on it. You ever get a gift, not like it? What do you do? Either you take it back or you re-gift. And what do you do? You put new packaging on it. Here you go. Here's a tin of five flavors of popcorn that somebody got me at CVS. No offense to anybody who buys that stuff, but you know, you're giving that to somebody. It's a re-gift. Well, it's just a repackaging. Gnosticism is just repackaged. And so we have to deal with these things as, as they come on and, and, and what happens. Now, again, there's a, there's a five-fold purpose that we find why, God, why Paul wrote this book, 1 John. He says in verse number 3, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So we have an invitation here. He says that we may have fellowship. And so the purpose of this book really is that we may have fellowship with who? Well, with other believers, but as we have this fellowship with uh, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And fellowship, my friend, means communion. It means hanging out. It means this bond, this thing we, we have together. You know, it's come, this Wednesday, September 5th, it will be 35 years ago I first met my wife. 
We met at Bible college. I was watching the Giants play football on Monday night football. They were playing the Redskins. I don't know if I can still say that word. I'm making have a protest meeting outside tomorrow, but I said, whatever their name is these days. And so she sat down next to me. I never met her before in my life. She sat down next to me. I said, hello. I said, get used to sitting next to me. This is how it's going to be the rest of your life. <laughs> and she said, yes. Now, or something like that. But I said, oh, you like football? She goes, yes. This is where we, we put doctrine, we put Bible into practice. I said, what team do you like? This is make or break right here. She said, the red and blue team. I said, that's good. We, we can go forward from here. If she said, the red and yellow team, I would have said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I don't want to know you. Because after all, what's the Bible say? Can two walk together? Except they be agreed. So we ain't going to have no redskin fan in the house. That's just not going to happen. And so she agreed. She liked the Giants. She had no clue. She just liked the colors and and, and God intervened there and told her, red and blue, sweetheart, red and blue. And, uh, and so that's how it worked. And the rest is history. And here we are 34 years later, and she hasn't watched a giant game ever since. Now, so men, make sure you meet this girl. Get the team straight out. Because I know guys, Eagles fans have married Cowboy fans, and the whole house is a disarray. So how can we have fellowship if we're not in agreement? As Christians, how can we have fellowship if we're not in agreement? How can somebody be in fellowship with a church if they're not a believer? i got nothing in common with these people. They like to sing these songs, and they want to talk about the Bible, and they want to talk about Jesus. And I can't do that all day long. Well, yeah, we can. We like doing that <laughs> because that's who we are. It's part of my nature to do that. I took Ethan hunting with me one time. I said, we're going to go hunting. The boy did not like hunting. I said, son, all we do is sit in a tree stand and stare at the woods and pray something comes by. He's up there in a tree, playing some game. And I'm like, I was ready to shoot the game out of his hand, but he's sitting in the tree stand next to me. This boy's not cut out for hunting. We have no, it's not him. And then the next day, come on, get up. I'm going to stay here in bed. I said, come on, we're going outside. It's dark out. It's 30 degrees. We're going to sit in a tree. Come on, it's going to be awesome. Why are you going? He stayed in bed and just... And just, it wasn't for him. He had no fellowship with us. He liked to go out to eat with us at night, but he didn't want to go hunting with us. He says in verse number 4 that these things are unto you that your joy may be full. My friend, God wants us to know that we can have joy in our Christian walk. We have sorrow. We have depressions. We have discouragement. We have down times. We have our headaches. We have our problems. We have our issues. But my friend, in that, we have joy. And joy is not the absence of, of, of sorrow. Joy, happiness depends on what's happening. Joy is the presence of Almighty God. And I can have the presence of Almighty God. I can be like Paul and, and, and Silas, beaten and sitting in jail, and sing hymns at midnight. Because I have Christ. And they can't take that from me. I have joy. I can be like Daniel in the lion's den. And know that God is with me. I can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, in the fiery furnace. And have the Son of God walk with me. I have joy knowing He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. That's the joy I have. But my joy has to be full. But how can my joy not be full? Well, if I'm sinning, my joy gets hindered. And he says in chapter 2, in verse number 1, He says, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. God doesn't want us to sin. Now, people say, I don't like Christianity. Too many do's and don'ts. Christianity is not do's and don'ts. Christianity is believe and thou shalt be saved. There's, a little, there's more into that, but you understand what it is. But as we 
grow. We learn, don't do this, don't do Why? Because those are bad. Those things will hurt you. Those things will hinder your walk. Those things will stunt your Christian growth. We want to sin not. Learn what's wrong and avoid it. Life is about learning. Hey, somebody did something really stupid. Uh, we were coming home, and on 95, we crawled, we crawled, we crawled right outside of just past Baltimore. And I couldn't figure I said, you know, there's really no cars coming our way. The southbound lane is only one car, and then a few minutes later, another car. I said, something's wrong. The southbound lane should be just flowing with cars, but it's not. And as we were coming down a hill, I saw the traffic cones and police cars, and, 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 and I couldn't make it out because I'm half blind, and I said, there's something laying in the middle of the road. And, and, and sure enough, we got close. I said, it looks like a motorcycle. And there's some tractor trailers pulled off to the side, and they reduced 95 uh, down to one lane. Everybody's riding on the shoulder. And I said, that's a motorcycle, one of those ninja Kawasaki's that go 100 miles an hour. Those guys will lay down on those things, flying past you on the highways. I said, there's a motorcycle crumpled up. As we're crawling along, I'm looking over, and there's a, and there's a debris trail going backwards as this motorcycle had gone flying down the highway. And as we got closer, there was a white blanket laying on the highway with some, somebody underneath it. And they're waiting, obviously, for the ambulance to come and pick the dear person up. What happened? I don't know. Somebody did something wrong. Somebody didn't obey the rules. And this guy lost his life. Maybe he wasn't obeying the rules. We know how those guys on those bikes usually like to fly like there's no tomorrow, and they weave in and out of traffic, and maybe he weaved and did something and hit one of those tractor trailers because two tractor trailers were pulled over with him laying next to it. So he landed here, and his bike went 100 yards down the highway. Now, if he had been doing his bike and other drivers had been doing what they're doing, they'd all be alive today. But somebody did something wrong, and he lost his life. So when God says, don't, God's not being a killjoy. God's saying, you know, because if you do, I'm letting you know that you could lose your life down the line. And I had a strange thought as I was going down the highway. As we going past the accident, I looked over at the southbound lane, and I said, you know, I said to myself, you know, just a few minutes ago, that guy was coming down the highway thinking about where he's going, what he's going to do, who he's going to see, and what's going to happen, not realizing that he had an appointment, that his life was going to end in just a few short moments. Why? Because he, somebody didn't obey the rules. Somebody was doing what they shouldn't have been doing. So Christianity is not do's and don'ts. for a re God puts them there because he's saying, I'm warning you. I'm, I'm trying to keep you from destroying yourself hurting yourself. I told you I cut my finger off. They go, that's nothing in the hospital. They're making light of my finger being tip cutting off. They go, you should see what we got to deal with in here. We got serious things. There was a guy on a ladder cutting a tree down. And he put the chainsaw on the other side of the branch and was pulling it towards him. That's all I'll say about that. Now, if that guy had followed the instructions, do not put chainsaw in here. I don't care. No one's going to tell me what to do. If you put it this way, and go, this would be fine. He'd still be alive today. God says, don't do this. Because you end up may limped or crippled or scarred the rest of your life. And all of us as adults, we have our emotional scars. 
our mental scars, things that wake us up at 3 o'clock in the morning when we can't sleep and we think, hey, remember that time when you were a real idiot? Yeah, I remember that. Wasn't that fun? No, why, 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 brain, why are you thinking about this? I don't know, I just think we bring it up tonight while you can't sleep. You know, I don't want to think about this. Think about something else. Well, how about this one? No! Or is it my brain the only one that does that? Or anybody else's brain want to drag up all the stupid you've done in your life that you shouldn't have done? What was I thinking? Well, you weren't. I know. Well, you should have. Well, knock it off. I am. You be quiet. No, you be quiet. Anybody else have these conversations? <laughs> am I the one was crazy? I like to talk to myself because every now and then I like to have intellectual conversations. Chapter 5, verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Again, this book is written to those who believe, those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, there was an accident years ago down at the, behind the Burger King. A helicopter crashed into the river. This is going back, way back in the 90s. And so we got a bunch of tracks. We're going down there. We're handing out tracks to about a thousand people down there. The news crews were there, and there was a one lady. I, I can't remember her name, but I, we, you saw her all the time on the news networks. I said, "I'm going to give her a gospel track." I see her all the time on TV. She looks really nice and friendly on TV. And so let me let me give her a gospel track. And I walked up to her and I said, "Hey, let me give you something." She said, "I'm already a believer." That don't sound like a believer to me. <laughs> If you're a believer, you get excited when you meet another believer. Hey, praise God, you're handing out gospel tracts. That's awesome. I was in the backyard one day. A lady walked to me. You the pastor here? They go, yes. I'm like this. But inside, I'm like, here we go. Yes. She goes, I'm a school teacher. I'm like, oh, here we go. Still another here we go. She goes, I like the Bible verses you put around the building. That's, that's great. That's awesome. I'm a believer. I said, oh, praise God. <laughs> She's excited. We got Bible. I'm waiting for some argument from, from lefty nut job here. But no, she was excited about the Bible verses. We had a, a bond because we're believers. So when a believer tells you, somebody tells you they're a believer and they get angry with you and because you witness to them or can't have a gospel tract, it's a good sign they're not a believer because you'll be excited when somebody's talking about Jesus. So this thing is written to those who believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. There's two thoughts in there. First of all, the thought that we can know we have eternal life. My friend, if you walk across the street and you ask the man across the street there, hey, can we, do, we, do you know you have eternal life? Do you know you're going to heaven? He'll tell you, nobody can know that. We can only hope we're going. We obey these rules and we hope we're going to get there. You ask me, preacher, you know you're going to heaven? Yes. How do you know? Because I have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I have put faith in him and trusted him as my Savior. I know that I have eternal life. Why? Because the Bible tells me I can know. I know I have life in Christ. And that you may believe. The Bible tells me that I can believe. It's not, well, it's not for you, but you can believe. You have been given permission to believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have those thoughts that we can have fellowship, that our joy may be full, that we learn how not to sin, and that we might have, know we have eternal life, and that we may believe on the name of the Son of God. And John is writing this book, is writing like a pastor who did not want his 
church, his flock, to be assaulted by false teachers and false prophets. He wanted them to know and to, to be able to handle the errors that were coming their way and how to respond to it. There is a biblical balance of, of truth, of obedience, and love. We want to learn those truths and how we can apply them to our lives. And we'll see these as we go through this book. But I want to lay this foundation a little bit here this morning for us on who the book is written to, why it's written to, and, and who wrote it, and what we can learn from it so that we can grow in our faith and mature in our faith and know error when we see it. Now, that's wrong. That's wrong. Tony and I were talking before church. Tony's a uh, uh, highly educated man, well-versed in food. He's a foodie. Amen? I like a food. We all have foodies here. Hey, foodies, amen? And I saw a picture of him on Facebook eating ribs. I like ribs, amen? Enjoy ribs. And we all know this, and we were discussing this, that when you go to a certain restaurants, you try to stay in their lane. Like if you go to a seafood house, you really don't get a hamburger, although I did that last week because I was just, I had seafood twice, and that's the meat. That's, I'm done for the rest of the year. So I got a hamburger. So, you know, you're not getting the best. You, you, you want a piece of salmon, you'll, it's going to be good. But a hamburger, it's not what we do, but we'll, we'll throw you one. So Tony had ribs. I said, how were they? They looked good. On the picture, they looked awesome. But Tony said, they're a little dry. A little dry. And you put sauce on things to help your lousy food taste better. And so they're a little dry. And so you look at that and you say, yeah, that's, it looked good, but it, you, you know in this place you're not really getting, this is not a rib joint. But you get it because you know, you're in the mood for it. I've done that and we've all done things like that. You want ribs, you go to a place that says ribs. A guy on the, on the side of the road who has a barrel who's been cooking ribs all day. That, you pull over to that guy. <laughs> you stop at that guy because <laughs> you know you're going to get some serious ribs there. You're not getting ribs at Applebee's, okay? We're not sure what that is, but it it's, could be the neighbor's dog. And, but anyway, so you want to make sure you spot what's good and what's fake. John is written so that we may know error and truth. We can spot when somebody says something, we say, that don't line up with the Bible. Something wrong with that. That's not matching up. That's error there. So these things are written that you may know. And so John is giving us this, this balance here in our life of knowing of, of how to obey truth, of our obedience, and how to love God and walk in that love. Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven.